I, uh, I want to talk tonight <coughs> to every little boy that's here. If you're old enough to understand, Brother Hiles, and you're a, a little boy, I want you to listen very carefully to what Brother Hiles says tonight. I'd like for you, if you're a little boy, three, four, five, six years of age, I'd like for you, if you could stay awake, I'd appreciate it. And if you could not doodle or draw, I'd appreciate it. Because I think Brother Hiles can say some things tonight that will be implanted in your conscious and if not in your subconscious mind that maybe will help you as you grow older. I like to talk to all the dads tonight, especially the dads of little boys. I, um, my boy's grown two months from today. He'll be gone from our house. And what I've done has been done. And uh, the story is written concerning whatever contribution I can make to the life of my son as far as his rearing is concerned. But I'd like to help you that have your days ahead of you. It's going to become increasingly difficult now for us to rear our, our children, especially our sons. So I'd like to address myself to you little boys tonight. I'd like to address myself to you fathers of youngsters, of boys. I don't know whether you know it or not, <coughs> but there are young ladies in our church who don't go with anybody, and they could go with a lot of boys and turn down dates because they're looking for a man. I know girls in our high school looking for a man can't find one. Um, I mean that. <clears throat> I know. I know. I know a lot of young ladies in our church that are waiting for a man to come along. And personally, I'd just see them never get married and choose somebody that's not a man. I'd like to see these young ladies have men, and I'd like to see you boys become men. Now I want to address myself tonight to our high school students, our all of our high school students. A lot of you fellows <coughs> who think you're men are effeminate. A lot of you boys on the basketball team, big sissies. And I'm not going to preach to you, I don't think I am in a mean way tonight. But seriously and honestly, I'm saying this. A lot of you boys that played football this year, and had a wonderful season, or sissies. I mean, you're effeminate. I mean, you have some tendencies toward being peculiar. And, you're, and, and there's something wrong with you. You're not men. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> what's one thing that's causing it? The biggest, by the way, now I may have caused a lot of trouble, and I may not have been all I ought to be, but nobody in 16 years has gotten effeminate from hearing me preach unless it's a female I mean whatever else you've had for 16 years you happen to have had a man behind his pulpit whatever else you've had and whatever whatever weaknesses I've had that's not one of them now I want to talk to some of you dads for some of you it's too late some of you have boys 15, 16, 17 years of age and older, and it's too late for you. Your boys don't even know you. Boy said to me this week, <coughs> 17, 18-year-old boy, got in trouble. I said, what'd your dad do? He said he bawled me out. 
lectured me. <clears throat> he said, well, he said, at least getting in trouble got my dad to talk to me. It's the first time he ever has. That's what, by the way, that dad is in this room tonight. And that dad's in this room every Sunday night. And that dad's in this room every Wednesday night. <clears throat> that dad's one of the finest members we have in our church. But he, like most of the dads in this room who have sons, are pretty sorry dads. Now, men, <clears throat> Hammond Baptist Grade School, Hiles Anderson College, Hammond Baptist High School, Jack Hiles, Dave Hiles, the youth program, and First Baptist Church Hammond all put together cannot take the place of a dad to a boy. No way in the world. None. I mean, listen, there's not a boy in this church in trouble tonight. And there are a lot of them in trouble. But not a one that I couldn't cure if I had enough time to be his dad for a year. Not a one. I think I could do it in a month. <clears throat> but they all, listen, they come to my office. <clears throat> Here's what they say. They, they come, and, and not what you'd call hard usually, in the sense of being rebellious and fighting back, but I mean noncommittal. But answer my questions. Say yes, sir. <clears throat> no, sir. But no emotion whatsoever. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, I can get the emotion when I say, you're hungry for your dad, aren't you? And I've seen the strongest athletes we have crumble in my office and tremble and shake the furniture and say yes. Young man sat in my office Friday night, showed courtesy, <clears throat> but little response or emotion. Till I said, <clears throat> you're hungry for your dad, aren't you? And tears began to roll down his cheeks. I think that dad's a deacon here. And I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody tonight. But the dad got lost that boy. Now, here's the thing about it. When a boy gets 14 or 15 years old and the dad hadn't, hadn't had time to be his buddy, and I don't mean just get out and play a few... Play, I mean build rapport and communication between the dad and the son. He gets 14 or 15 or 16 years old. He don't want you to then. He wishes you had. But you about gone then. So I guess, I'm going to, I guess mainly tonight, I'm addressing my, addressing my comments to those who have junior boys, and primary boys, and beginner boys. But I'm standing with a broken heart because of some of you that will never get to know your boy. Two months from tonight, my boy will pack up and he'll be gone from our house. He'll be all over. But we've known each other We've been pals. We don't see each other much. But we see each other a lot while we do see each other. And we've been buddies. And what we've had, I'd give an awful lot for you to have with your boy. 
And your boy's hungry for it. He's hungry for it. You know, <clears throat> there was a day when every boy's hero was his dad. <clears throat> I do not know. I do not recall the last boy that came to my office and said, My dad's my hero. I remember. You know what it is? <clears throat> a lot of it is this little box you've got in your living room. <clears throat> no, I'm not saying you ought to get rid of it. I'm saying you ought not take it so seriously. You come home at night and plop your carcass down in front of that little box <clears throat> and look at it. And the truth is, most of you don't even know where your boy is. things going on in the best families we have in this church among the teenage kids. <clears throat> now look, Dad, I'm talking about you. You say, well, it's not my boy. You're the kind that usually have that kind of boy. The things going on <clears throat> in Hammond Baptist High School. Some of the so-called in crowd, the popular crowd, and some of the athletes <clears throat> are big, babyfied, effeminate sissies. Haven't got enough guts to do right. You say, I don't believe in using the word guts when you preach, then don't ever do it. Oh, we need some men. Some men. They say, I'm hungry. For my dad. No time for me. Most of them. <clears throat> through their kids. Now I'm talking about 16, 17, 18 year old boys. Most of them. Cover up for their dad by saying he's pretty busy. You know, a few years ago, <clears throat> 50 years ago in America, most everybody lived in the country. The dad and the boy worked in the field together. They milked together. And they slopped the hogs together. And gathered eggs together. Chopped wood together. <coughs> they moved to town. Nothing much for the boys to do in town. Girls can do what they used to do. <clears throat> girls grew up on a farm. They cooked and washed and ironed and kept house. Now, girls can still do that in the city. What the boys used to do, we can't do in the town. So our boys are growing up <clears throat> without masculine chores. That means... It's easier to rear a girl than this rear boy in the city. Because you can teach your girl to, <clears throat> to do feminine chores in the city life. You can't teach your boy that. Now, what is a man? A man is not one who's got muscles because he lifts weights or wins a fight. Gorilla can do that. I'm a he-man. <clears throat> I got some weights. Look at my physique. 
Well, if you want to look at a physique, go to the zoo. I'm not against physiques, but God knows. But, but I mean, the biggest muscle-bound fellow in this room doesn't make you a man, buddy. No, sir. No, sir. Being a man is not jumping higher than anybody else jumps on a track field. A kangaroo could do that. Or it's not a masculine physique. A baboon has that. Or it's not running faster than anybody else in school. A rabbit can do that. Or it's not um, being agile and acrobatic. A monkey can do that and beat you at it. And it's not in seducing a female. A dog can do that. Please, <coughs> I'm a man. I got a 42 chest. 42 chest never made a man. Some of the most masculine men I know weigh 120 pounds. Skinny. Got more guts than all you Charles Atlases put together. I'm saying physical attributes and athletic prowess doesn't make a man. Alexander the Great at 29 conquered the known world till they said he had no more worlds to conquer but a little bottle of liquor conquered him. He wasn't a man but he conquered the whole world. Samson could take the jawbone of an ass and slay hundreds of Philistines. I could take his own mighty arms and raise up the porch and the pillars of the house. <coughs> the whole house could fall down. Strong, physical, muscle, physique. But he couldn't even conquer his own lust for wicked women. He wasn't a man. Saul's muscles bulged like Atlas. <clears throat> Saul was head and shoulders, taller, bigger than all the people. Mighty man, physically. But he was a sissy. Couldn't even control his own disposition, his own temper, his own jealousy. Solomon could rule a nation, <coughs> but not his own appetite for heathen women. David could defeat Goliath, slay a bear, kill a lion. But he couldn't defeat his own lust for Bathsheba. Here's manhood. Manhood of Joseph, fleeing Potiphar's wife leaving his garment in her hand, controlling his own spirit, master of his own appetites, developing his own will. A man who had will <coughs> strong enough to say, I will do right, I will not do wrong, I will not only develop my muscles, I'll develop my character, I'll develop my will, I'll develop my integrity, I'll develop my chastity. I will control my appetite. Want to see a man? Daniel refusing the king's meat. Or looking at the king's table, seeing the king's wine, 
laid out before him, and saying, Though he's a stranger, miles and miles away from home, no one back home would know what he did. A chance to, be, to become mighty man as far as the country was concerned, and cater to the whims of the king, and not even tarnish his reputation back home. And yet being a man, is a Daniel saying, I have purpose in my heart that I will do right. That's manhood. What's a man? What's a Daniel? Praying with his windows open. When they said if anybody continues praying like that, he'll pay for it. He'll be cast in the lion's den. Daniel said, I'd rather the king cast me in the lion's den than my own lustful appetites cast me into oblivion and effeminacy. What's a man? A man is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, We will not bow down and worship that golden image. Put us in the fire furnace if you care to. Do what you want. Our God will deliver us, but if he will not deliver us, we will not bow down. Why? We are masters of our own will. We control our own appetites. We're not slaves to external stimuli. We control the stimulus and the stimuli. What's a man? A man is the David. Over a sleeping Saul. Over a soul that had tried to kill him and thrown a javelin to kill him. A man is David looking down at Saul with his own sword drawn, which could pierce the heart of King Saul and get vengeance for David for Saul's attempted murder of David's own life. Being a man is controlling your will, controlling your appetites, controlling your desire for vengeance. It's a David saying, I'll not lift up my hand against God's anointed. What's a man? A man is the Uriah <coughs> coming home the battlefield. David trying to cover up his own sin with Bathsheba. Wanted to send Uriah down to his house to sleep with his wife. So when the baby was, was announced that she was pregnant, Uriah would be thought to be the father. Uriah had just left his buddies on the battlefield. He had just seen their blood rolling. He had just seen them dying and <coughs> suffering on the battlefield. Uriah said, With my buddies dying on the battlefield, shall I go down to my house? And there he is in his own neighborhood, his wife a few blocks away. He says, Shall I enjoy the tender caresses of a loving wife when my buddies right now are giving their lives and their blood on battlefields? A man is Uriah! sleeping outside the gate rather than going down to enjoy the love of his wife because men on the battlefield are fighting and shedding their blood and not enjoying the comforts of their homes. What is manhood? And Elijah on Mount Carmel, standing by himself, willing to be different. Elijah could join Jezebel's ministerial association, become the president of the National Council of Churches, but Elijah was a man. Elijah could have kowtowed and bowed to the pagan gods of his days and become the chaplain of the court and the, and the king's uh, favorite preacher. But Elijah was a man. Men say no when saying no is unpopular. Men shake their head this way and everybody else is going this way. Men don't do in Rome what Romans do. Men do in Rome what God wants them to do. Men have the courage to stand and live and die if needs be. Men go upstream instead of downstream. Men fight alone instead of the popular, the popular crowd. 
Men walk alone sometimes. If right is lonely, men are lonely. If right is unpopular, men are unpopular. If right brings lonesomeness, men are lonesome. Men determine what they do on the basis of what's right to do. I don't care if you hold the scoring record for the basketball team. You are a big, fat... Listen to me, kids. Stab straight back in the back and listen to what I'm saying tonight. Some of you little peanut-head sisters back there. He says, I'll meet you outside. I'd just love for you to. I've got some karate I haven't practiced in a long time. you got enough <coughs> strength hit the line with a football, not enough strength to say no to a little cigarette about that long. I hate to think a 200-pound defensive tackle couldn't, couldn't move me and a little few ounces of nicotine could. I hate to think that I could get on a wrestling, wrestling mat and, and defeat the strongest of young men and yet couldn't even defeat a little can of beer. Coward. Sissy. <coughs> sissy. You are a sissy. You are a sissy. You are a sissy. I'm not talking about the fellow at school that walks like this. I'm talking about the guy that walks like that. I'm talking about the muscle-bound fella. Hadn't got enough intestinal fortitude and decency for manhood to say, No! Walk alone. A <clears throat> little hundred-pound weakling's got more manhood who says, I'll not do it because other crowd's doing it. You want to see a man, Peter and John, who said, put us in jail if you want to, <laughs> but we're going to keep on preaching Jesus. We cannot but speak the things we've seen and heard. A certain mayor in a certain town not far from here sent word to me that now they have to have permission to go soul winning in their town, have to have a permit, and said he'd grant me a few permits to visit a few people if I'd... If I would, uh, would, would make application, I sent word back, I've already got a permit. I'll bind you one thing, nine men sitting in a smoke-filled room, not going to tell me I can't go soul winning. <clears throat> no, sir. You say, you're breaking the law. Take that up with Peter and John. They said, Judge ye! Amen. Amen. Men control their spirits. Men control their appetites. There are some boys, males, who say, we will not yield to the establishment. We'll be our own men. We'll rule ourselves. We'll not be slaves. We're free. Okay, try to quit smoking then. See if you're a slave. Well, I can take you to leave it, but you always take it, don't you? All across America, under the guise and camouflage and mask of manhood, 
People say, I'll be free. If I want to take my dope, I'll take it. Freeing yourself from bonds of wood, you become enslaved in bonds of iron and steel. I know something about physical strength. I was a a paratrooper in World War II. I never have been a great giant of a man physically. And there are a lot of fellows in the world who could take me, but I never just, just never have felt like I knew one of them. That's strange, isn't it? I was a paratrooper in World War II. I had to do every day 90 push-ups with a full field pack on my back. I mean 90 pounds on my back. 90 push-ups. I doubt there's an athlete in this room tonight, football, basketball, wrestling, who could do 90 push-ups with a full field pack on his back. And I doubt if, I doubt if there's one do 90 push-ups. I had to do 50 push-ups with one hand, my right hand. But I wasn't a man because of that. <clears throat> I know judo. I know karate. I believe, I believe that I could protect myself if I had to. Most anybody. I know what it is to run ten miles a day, every day, without stopping. I've jumped out of airplanes. I was offered a contract with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Back yonder when the Los Angeles Dodgers were in Brooklyn. <clears throat> I think I know something. I laid oak floor going through college. Anybody that laid oak floor knows that's one of the most, most difficult jobs. Algomez, you know that's true. No, the old-fashioned oak floor laying, nothing like it building a house. I worked my way through a year and a half of college laying oak floor. But that wasn't manhood. <clears throat> manhood was that night when I was playing on a semi-professional softball team. And of all the hundreds and thousands of softball teams in the entire state of Texas, we, we were playing for the state championship, and I was a kid 18 years of age. Pardon me, 17 years of age. And I was the, <clears throat> the only pitcher we had. We played our way all the way to the championship. They announced the championship game would be on Sunday night. I told my team I couldn't pitch on Sunday night because that was church night. When I got to church that night, <clears throat> all the players were lined up out in front. Most of them, all of them except for me, grown men. Some professional baseball players. Lined up out in front <clears throat> saying, Jack, you've got to pitch. The only pitcher we have. We haven't got a chance to win without you. It took me more courage to walk from that team with them making fun of me and threatening me that night and walk into that church and not pitch that softball game. It took me more courage to do that than it did to do 90 push-ups or jump out of an airplane. That's manhood. <coughs> manhood? Because <coughs> I had a senior date. And my date and the couple we were with on a Sunday night wanted to go to a movie. And I said I wouldn't go. I wanted to go to church. 
And they said, what have we got tonight for a date? And I said, a church going, that's what you've got. And they laughed at me and took me home. And I called the mother of my date and told her I was no longer with a daughter because it was Sunday night, senior day or not, and I went to church and they went to a movie and tonight the fella who double dated with me is a Hollywood producer and has been for years. And I'm a preacher and have been for years. We chose our destination that night. Took more manhood on my part to say no that night on my senior day only one single day in a lifetime. Two and a half years I was in the Army. Most of that time a paratrooper. I didn't have one single Christian buddy in my, in my sort of dormitory, in my barracks, in two and a half years. <coughs> now let me tell you something, fellas. <coughs> if I can go two and a half years without taking a cigarette or drinking a beer or wine or whiskey... If I can go two and a half years in the paratroopers, you can go a few years in Hammond Baptist High School. <clears throat> well, what kind of a yellow-bedded coward is that? Can't even go through a Christian school, a chapel every day, and be different. I had them one time in Fort Benning, Georgia, meet me <clears throat> when I got in after supper. They met me and put wine in a Coke bottle. And they got me down on the barrack floor, 30 men or so, and tried to force me to drink wine. But blessed be God, the biggest, strongest muscles I've got are my jaw muscles. I think you'll agree to that. And they couldn't open my mouth. They might pour it up my nose, but not in my mouth. They might pour it in my ear, but not in my mouth. They might pour it down my eyeballs, but not in my mouth. Now, if I, in the army, with 30 men, forcing wine down my throat, can resist. You little sissy peanut heads can resist at Howells Anderson College and Hammond Baptist High School. And if you can't, you are a, an effeminate sissy. Sissy. <coughs> sissy. I mean, you ought to wear lace on your underwear. Because <laughs> I don't think you ought to have said that. Well, just keep your nose out of my preaching. Sissy. Just sissy. Look at me while I'm preaching, sissies. <clears throat> They've set me up with women that have beautiful women bus station I go down to get on the bus to go out go on a weekend pass trying to lure me to their rooms manhood walks by itself to do right and manhood <clears throat> swims upstream alone if needs be 
You want to see a sissy? Fella can score 20 points in a basketball game and go out and can't conquer a cigarette. You want to see a sissy? Fella can score a touchdown in football and can't conquer his craving for a can of beer. Want to see a sissy? A man who's <coughs> muscle bound and yet a little Chanel Number no. 5 perfume can lead him to do wrong. Want to see a sissy? A fellow who goes for a year or two to Hammond Baptist grade school, maybe, and four years to Hammond Baptist high school, and can't even say no. A man, a, a, pardon me, a male, can sit in this auditorium Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, for years. And sit in chapel at school. And go to our youth program, some of you. And don't even get enough guts to say no to a little cigarette or a little drink of beer. Now, some of you folks <coughs> tonight are not as alarmed as I am. You would be if you knew what your boy's done. I wanted to see if a certain person didn't acquire tonight. I know somebody that has sung in our choir. Except our boy's fine beer. You dirty pimp. You sissy, effeminate. Little sissy girl. You know, it's a strange thing to me, interesting to me. It says, um, it says, quit ye like men. That's interesting, isn't it? What it means is this. <coughs> it means that to be a man, you quit that which is wrong. Control. Bible says the fellow who controls his own spirit is mightier than a man that conquers a city or rules a city. I have some dreams. Had for a lot of you. I had some dreams that some of you boys <coughs> die and never taste a cigarette. I had it for all of our kids. I have some dreams. Our kids will live and die and never know what, it is, what, what the taste of beer, wine, or whiskey is like. I face more temptation in one day than most of you kids have in a lifetime. And I still don't know what a cigarette tastes like. And I still don't know what beer tastes like. I have some dreams. I have a dream that when you stand here at the altar and one of us marries you that you be pure. Save yourself for the one that God's given you. In the last three months I've carried two and a half million dollars on my shoulders. 
I've got three lawsuits right now. Linda and Cindy have been chased by wicked men and barely got to their cars. One of my dearest friends has been killed in a car wreck. One of our Harold Anderson guards <coughs> was kidnapped and beaten, left probably for dead, but he was revived the next morning. One of our high school buses, after school one day, was shot at, the window shut out. There's been at least one threat all my life in the last three months. I've carried a pretty heavy load, but I haven't added them all up. It doesn't break my heart one-tenth, all of them put together, like one of our kids going bad. If you want to shoot me, do that. But don't turn out bad. If you want to get a knife and stick it in my heart and murder me, go ahead and do it. I'd like that better. There's some folks on this platform who give their lives for you young people. <coughs> Dr. Evans, Dr. Helton, Dr. Billings, Brother Hyams, others of us. You're pretty well all we have. If you don't turn out right, we're a failure in life. Dads, if you have little boys, go home and get acquainted. I can recall, God bless my mother, I can recall when I stand outside in the yard waiting for Daddy to leave. My dad's a big man. strong. I, I still think he's the strongest man I ever knew. I can see my Daddy leaving. I had a ball pitching up and catching it. I always had some kind of ball in my hand. I'd say, Daddy, catch. Dad said, Son, I, I got to go. I used to dream for one day when my dad would just hold his hands up and catch the ball one time. Huh. My mother would come out his son won't play catch. She'd try. And I thank God she did it, but she, forgive me, Mama, but she never took the place of a dad. I've cried myself sleep many nights, and I said, Dear God, if you'd ever make me a dad, if you ever give me a boy, I'd play ball with him. I'd be his buddy. Some of you dads tonight will cancel about half your business deals and get back to that boy. <coughs> Deacons, I'm talking to you. God knows I'm pleading with you tonight. I've talked to seven deacon sons in the last month that are in serious trouble who are hungry for deacon dads. Eli was the high priest, but he lost his power with God because his boys turned out bad. Solomon, <coughs> wisest man that ever lived, in some respects. But Rehoboam turned out bad. David, man after God's own heart. But Solomon turned out bad. Absalom turned out bad. Amnon turned out bad. <coughs> Isaac had an Esau. Abraham 
Adon Ishmael. I'm thinking of a preacher, a famous preacher. If I called his name, you'd know it. Everybody in this room would know it. If you've been saved a year, and most everybody know it. He's got a son tonight breaking his heart. Breaking his heart. Now, my son's not breaking my heart. He's not perfect, but he's not breaking my heart. Some of yours are. Dad, when are you going to listen to me? You said to your kids, do whatever the house says. Won't you try it? Won't you try it? When are you going to listen? There is not one thing in the rearing of a boy to be a man as important as a dad. One of these days, dads, you're going to Walk in the room, find it's empty. One of these days, all you'll have in the house to remember him by is a picture or two of his childhood. And maybe a few albums. That's all you're going to have. Now, you may not listen to me tonight, but you're going to wish you had been. Your boy needs you. Your boy, listen. <clears throat> I do not know. Now, I may find one tonight, but I don't know a boy that's in trouble who says he's had a good communication and rapport with his dad. <clears throat> the best boys we have in this, I mean, the boys go to the most loyal and faithful and gentlemanly and clean in this church are boys who've had dads to take time with them. Mr. McCord, that little fellow sitting beside you tonight, don't you forget who he is. Don't you forget. Not easy for you to forget it. He needs you. These young ladies down here tonight, they need men. <clears throat> I hate to have a boyfriend. Couldn't, couldn't say no to a can of beer. Quite frankly, I'd quit him. I'd quit him. Get you a Cocker Spaniel dog. Live with him. Get you a parakeet. <clears throat> They've got more masculinity than most of these guys have. Sissy. We have a rule in this church that teenagers are not supposed to sit in the balcony. You know how they get by that rule? They get some adult to take 15 or 20 of them upstairs and line up. And every adult that does that knows he or she is breaking the spirit of that rule. Would you tell me how in the name of common sense we're going to teach these kids to be law-abiding citizens and, and be decent people? 
with that kind of tomfoolery? You say, well, I'll, I'll get you back. You just get all you want to, but you happen to have a fellow in the first place that's not scared of you. And in the second place, you happen to have a, a tiger with a tail tonight. And in the third place, I'm trying to help you and shake some sense in your stubborn head. And some of you ladies, you say, I'll get you. Honey, I ain't like your husband. So you'll split this church. I'm not trying to split it, unsplit it. I'm trying to help you. And I wish I could grab you and shake you good and hard and shake some sense into some of you men's head, rearing a bunch of listen, listen. Don't even don't even know where your boys are. Now you have to listen. I know homes of deacons in this room tonight. They've had beer parties and you don't even know it in your house. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? I said, I know deacons in this room tonight where beer parties have been conducted in your house. And you don't even know what's going on. What's wrong with you, man, or males? What's wrong with you? There's your kid. 